Today, I'm excited to talk with Barb Webb about her newly released book called Getting Baked, everything you need to know about hemp, CBD, and medicinal gardening. And before you turn this off and go to a different podcast, let me address the elephant in the room when you hear the phrase getting baked. Yes, we are talking about the cannabis plant, but we're doing so in a very holistic way and in a very factual way based upon all of Barb's research. And this will help clear up so much of the confusion out there on what CBD is and how to even use CBD. We also talk about medicinal gardening. And again, before you think, what, are you getting all new age-ish and stuff? No, we are just talking about growing herbs and spices that can be used in natural ways to aid sleep, help digestion, and more. I learned so much in this interview, and I know you will too. As a reminder, you can find all the show notes for this episode at badtothebull.com forward slash 36. It's time to adapt to a plant-based palate, minimize waste, and respect our environment. Hello, we are Joe and Sarah Hayes, and we are the hosts of the Bowl of Life podcast, where we are encouraging you to join the plant-forward food movement. It's time for vegetables to move from the side of your plate to the center, and we are here each week to help you do that. So if increasing your vegetable consumption and limiting your animal proteins sounds like a win-win to you, go grab a spoon or fork and let's dive into learning more about how you can be plant forward. Hello and welcome back to the Bowl of Life podcast. Today I'm excited to introduce you to Barb Webb. Barb is a sustainable living expert and the author of the new book, Getting Baked, everything you need to know about hemp, CBD, and medicinal gardening. This new book is a green guide that takes a fun approach to teach readers the ins and outs of how to navigate their way through the hemp culture, create their own medicinal herb garden, and integrate natural remedies seamlessly into their current lifestyle. I have mentioned on the podcast before that I don't have a very big green thumb, but I'm all about natural living. So I'm so excited to hear Barb's tips on creating an herb garden, and all of that fun stuff. So Barb, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to explore this topic of medicinal plants in your new book? Thank you for the great intro. I am excited to be here and uh, grateful. I appreciate it. Um, So about me, uh, (laughs) we were just talking before the podcast. I am from the city originally. And I moved out to the country and decided um, I loved it and I was going to farm. And that led me to 20 years of intense exploration and learning and uh, getting into the culture and the topic. And it's just something that I feel is so important uh, to our lives and understanding, you know, how we are actually symbiotic with the earth. So uh, that uh, led me to explore every form of gardening, but in particular, I was very interested in how plants work with our bodies, heal our bodies, support our bodies, and what we can give back to them too. So it's it's that uh, circular relationship, and that led me into the extremely big world of medicinal plants, and also um, hemp, which is a medicinal plant cannabis uh, by another name. And so I became very interested in that early on. And I was a very early adopter of CBD because I, I didn't like the THC aspect of, you know, cannabis. I didn't 
well, I wanted to be clear-headed, let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so that led me to really like, when CBD came out, I was like, wow, this is great because I can get the benefits and some of the things that I knew about cannabis uh, were benefits such as calming and anxiety and that without having to have that fog or high as people call it. So that's that's kind of the short version of where I am today. Yeah, you had mentioned, I believe in the book, right at the beginning that actually you started taking maybe CBD for a very specific reason, correct? For, for yes. Or... Yes, it was, yeah, originally I was intrigued by the calming or the, you know, the, the anti-stress sleep component to CBD. Of course, we all live extremely stressful lives. That's uh, even if you're out on the farm, uh, there's still the, the world at large and kids and, and everything going on. And we parents, as moms especially, have a lot of stress in our lives. Uh, and, uh, you know, I started getting to an age where um, yeah, premenopausal and sleep and uh, insomnia are becoming issues. So I was very intrigued about that aspect of it and found that it worked exceptionally well and had some side effects that I didn't expect. Like, for example, I have nerve damage from being a writer all my life. Um, and it seemed to kind of calm that. And through research and study and talking to scientists and farmers and the works, I learned about the inflammation reduction properties of CBD, which are tremendous. Uh, they've done research studies in Canada uh, recently, and they found out that uh, CBD actually reduces inflammation 30 times greater than aspirin. So there's, there's a lot to this component of a wonderful plant that we have in our medicinal pile to really um, help people alleviate some of their primary concerns. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. 30 times the reduction in inflammation. That, wow. That is, that's amazing. I, yeah, I totally agree with you. There's so many amazing properties of it. And I think actually my story of taking it was a little, why I started taking it was actually the opposite of yours. I started to take it for the inflammation from a neck injury, but actually it helped me sleep better. And I was like, oh yeah, I always have been a bad sleeper. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, no, and I mean, it helped with inflammation too, but it was kind of funny that like, yeah, we kind of had parallel, but a little bit opposite, <laughs> but that is. yeah, yeah. So, you know, there is such an emphasis on CBD and, you know, there's so much talk ever since the, the farm bill a few years ago, and then the marketplace just kind of exploded with CBD products, but I still feel like it's a very misunderstood as like a plant. Why is that? And you talk about that in your book too. I do. Um, and I think there's actually many reasons, but one of the biggest ones is it was demonized, right? Because, um, and that actually happened from a marketing business standpoint yeah. that we had this plant that had some exceptional properties. Um, and isn't it nice to take something that has a positive side effect and not a negative side effect that it, it helps multiple things? Yes. Uh, we, you know, but it was misunderstood. It was because um, it was it was used in ceremonial rituals. Um, so it was thought to be just this kind of euphoric inducing plant drug um, and then sort of uh, demonized again because at the at that time they couldn't monetize, monetize it in the same way that they could when they just started developing synthetic drugs. And so unfortunately, as a result of that industry, 
um, who worked very hard to demonize cannabis, it got uh, listed on you know the category of heroin, which is kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, pretty. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is very extreme, especially because at the time, so there's cannabis, and in in polite society. We generally talk about cannabis and hemp. They are exactly the same, except that one has a high THC level uh, and one has a low THC level or none. So you have the same strains of the overall plants that have different properties. But unfortunately, hemp, as we tend to call the low THC or um, no THC plants, got demonized as well. And that's unfortunate because there's so many um properties just to that particular strain as well i mean you can create like over twenty thousand things from the hemp plant that are so useful in society from rope which they obviously did in world war ii and and throughout history uh to plastics we could solve part of our plastic problem if we just started using hemp based um you know chemicals uh, per se but uh, natural chemicals in terms of replacing that production so there's um i think uh, there's it's turning I, I think the tide is turning um, people are understanding that there is a difference and we really need to explore this further yeah i i'm really am excited just like you are to see more positive light shed on it and and you're right you know like it did get I like how you use that word it got demonized it did it got lumped in with all these really you know hard recreational drugs (laughs) um and it's like but there's so many useful properties to it um I think before we jumped in, I talked about a little bit about my experience in marketing and kind of bringing a CBD product to the market for chiropractors. And even that was a few years ago, but whoo, man, there was so many legal tapes still around it. And I'm sure that companies are still dealing with that these days. I mean, even getting banks to like approve processing online was tough. It was, yes, it's like, wow. And, um, talking with a grower out in Colorado at the time who was um, supplying the the company um he's like yeah we have not even scratched surface like you said of all the medicinal properties that this is good for he's like there's so much research being done if if only we can become more accepting and if only government you know will like loosen up and that's a whole nother can of worms there but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's just like like you said, you know, like um, the pharmaceutical grips on our our country and on our use in our daily lives are just so huge that to go the other way is an uphill battle, but one that's worth worth fighting because, you know, I mean, CBD does not have the, you know, the um, side effects of, you know, the harmful side effects rather of all the, the pharmaceutical tr- pseudical drugs that are being pushed on us right and that's and and there's room for both i think that's what needs to be understood and uh, by the government by pharmaceutical by people in general is synthetics have their place i mean i I have no thyroid so i have to take a synthetic drug every morning to stay alive i'm grateful for that they absolutely have their place in our life 
I have no negative side effects from that. So that's wonderful. I mean, there are a lot of good, legit sources out there that do not come from nature per se. Um, but funny enough, there's a lot of natural ingredients in pharmaceutical products too. So, yeah. uh, you know, th there's definitely room for both and, and there's definitely room for cannabis to uh, find its place on the shelves of our Walgreens or CVS or wherever you may get your uh, your drugs from. Right. And I think uh, CVS is one of the major ones that um, at least a few years ago that was carrying it. So speaking of those products hitting the shelves, you have so many good charts in your book and just some tips on how to choose it. Because if someone is new to CBD and cannabis and, you know, hemp, like they might look at some of those products and mean, what the heck is going on here? What does isolate mean? What does full spectrum mean? How do I even know this even has any CBD in it? So can, can you give us just like an overview of what to kind of look for when we're, when we're looking for a CBD product? Yes, absolutely. Um, that is actually what originally prompted me to write this particular book was the amount of misinformation out there and the uh, wild west of the CBD landscape because it is as they're doing product studies finding out that you know 80% of the products either didn't even have CBD or had a, a different amount of CBD in it uh, you know how do consumers understand and I'd, I'd have I'd be raving about this particular CBD initially in the beginning and people would be telling, well, I tried it and it didn't work. Well, 90% of the time, it would be because they bought a product that didn't even contain CBD or, you know, like friends don't let friends buy CBD at gas stations kind of mentality. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny you bring up the gas station thing because we have driven past gas stations before. My husband's like, you really think that CBD in there has any good anything good in it and I'm like I, I really doubt it I doubt it has lab tests <laughs> yeah probably not probably not so uh, or people are buying them off of Amazon and, and Amazon is not legally allowed to sell CBD so the marketing there is is very ingenious it'll say CBD in the line but then if you read into it they basically have hemp oil in the product um, so that's a that's a big kind of problem for people. Um, anyway, if, if they're not taking the ingredient to begin with, you're not going to get the effects from the ingredient. So as um, that, again, that just, that just prompted me to begin to write a book, but there were some other things, but one of them, and there's a lot of information and material on how to choose the best CBD option for you and what to look for. So I think one of the biggest things I always tell people initially is make sure you can view the lab test because I think that's crucial and critical to choosing a CBD product. There should be a QR code on the side of the product. That QR code should lead directly to a lab test for that product and that batch number of product that you have in your hand. And if it does not, put it back on the shelf. That is an immediate red flag that the company is either using a batch testing from just the CBD they bought and just assuming that all the products meet their criteria, or if it takes you to the manufacturer's website, it's a marketing tactic, but it tells you a whole lot about whether they believe in uh, the legitimacy of what's inside the canister you're holding. 
That's a really good tip. So always make sure that there's a lab test behind what you're buying. Yes, there's a clear lab test that you can read it, that it clearly identifies the product, clearly identifies the level of THC in the product, the level of CBD in the product, uh, any other ingredients in the product, plant material, terpenes. Uh, it should clearly identify all that. It should clearly have passed all of the tests for not having pesticides in it or toxins or metals or any of that. It should say that it is definitely below the limits uh, necessary. And, and if you can't find that immediately, don't move to another product. That's, that's like my number one tip. And then, of course, there's a whole lot else that goes into it. It's the appearance of the product, the ingredients, the effects that it promises, uh, you know, the origin, where is it grown? A lot of companies, um, when you read the lab test, you should also be looking for um, where the product has come from, uh, if that's available, or go to the manufacturer's website to find out, because a lot of them are outsourcing well, when you outsource outside the United States, you don't necessarily have product that has been grown in compliance with our rules and laws. Mm. So you have to be mindful of that too. Um, and then the lab test, and of course the price, um, price point, <laughs> as we say, yeah. avoid the gas station $5 CBD. That's, that's not, CBD is expensive to produce. So I'm not saying you should, you know, pay an exorbitant amount for it, but if it's, you know, <laughs> discount CBD, there's, there's really no such thing. Right. Yeah. I think this is definitely a case of um, what you pay is what you will get when it comes to CBD. You know, like if you're paying, like you said, the $5, odds are, yeah, it's probably not going to work for you. <laughs> yes. Now, I mean, some people are putting pretty labels on and charging double the amount of what they could or um, you know, so you have to be mindful of that too, but it's, it's more common to see people charging at a low price point who have an inferior product or a product that does not contain what you think it does in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And you also have some great, uh, charts too, and tips in the book on exactly what the difference is between like an isolate and a full spectrum um, which one, what kind is the breakdown of that and which one should we, should we be taking? That's a little complex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk yeah, about yeah. Five minutes. Maybe just a quick, quick overview. Maybe a broad overview. <laughs> um, so isolate is pure CBD, 99% pure CBD that has been extracted from the plant. There's the plant material. Uh, no other compounds in there like THC or uh, CDC or, you know, there's, there's all different kinds. There's a hundred different compounds in a cannabis plant that we know of and, uh, or terpenes, which would be, um, we'll discuss in a little bit. So none of that plant matters in there. It's just pure CBD. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So then you move to broad spectrum, which is CBD plus different plant material compounds um, and but there's no THC mm. that's the only thing missing when you move to full spectrum full spectrum is the CBD has been extracted from the plant maintaining all of the plant compounds and matter including THC but it has to have under 0.3 percent THC so you're not going to get a euphoric effect from it Okay. What you 
are going to get from a full spectrum is CBD. Like, like any other plant, if you remove one element of the plant, you're not getting all of the additional elements. So for example, if you had an orange and you just remove the vitamin C, well, that's great for your body, but you're not getting the fiber and the taste and the terpenes and all of these other wonderful plant things that give you the experience and enjoyment of eating an orange, but are also very healthy for your body, right? Mm. So that's the analogy with full spectrum. Full spectrum CBD is the entire orange. <laughs> gotcha. When you move to broad spectrum, perhaps if we consider the peel of the orange, the THC or the uh, euphoric piece of the cannabis plant, you're taking the peel away from the orange and you just have the insides now. And then if you move down to the isolate, then you're just getting that vitamin C. You're just taking one chemical element or one compound element out of the plant. So why would you use one over the other? A lot of people who are THC sensitive, and there are um, some people who take THC and ingest it, and it does have a euphoric effect on them, even in a very small quantity. Um, or they're allergic to it, that is, that is a real thing, would prefer a broad spectrum or a CBD isolate because they're not going to run the risk. Also, people who have uh, drug testing re regularly. Now, when full spectrum is a very small percentage of THC, but it, it can show up on a drug test, a very sensitive drug test, it can. So people who are concerned about that should move towards broad spectrum or isolate. Those are the two biggest reasons you would do that. Do they have different effects? Absolutely. As I said, the whole plant is always better for us. It always has the full um, benefit for our body uh, when we eat that or, or consume that. And broad spectrum is going to be your next best bet. CBD isolate only works for certain things. And here uh, comes the difference. Uh, de really depends on what you want to use it for. So CBD isolate by itself has great inflammatory reducing properties. Like you said, that's what you're using it for. But you may not get the sleep side effect because you're missing all the other compounds of the plant that work in synergy with it to produce that. Uh, CBD isolate is also used for um, the epilepsy drug that's on the market that is legalized and actually part of the pharmaceutical lineup now. And that's because that specifically by itself is known to reduce uh, episodes of, of epileptic patients. Uh, you know, so there's, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's why I wrote a book. Yes, yeah. Uh, Someone can definitely dive a lot deeper into figuring out what, what one is best for them. Yes. And I would say the biggest thing is to decide why you want to use it. You know, yeah. What are you looking for and what do you need it to support? And that helps you make a decision uh, then of what variety and then other factors come into play. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Really good advice. And like you, like I said, you know, you have so many great charts in your book and just pages and pages to help people figure that out. And I think uh, such a great resource for someone who is ready to 
okay, I, I need to figure this out. I want to, you know, start taking CBD to alleviate, you know, such and such. Um, and then they can use your book as a great resource as that. Now you've mentioned a few times terpenes. What, what is that? That's a new word for me. Yes, and so we get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> so um, terpenes in plants are part of the plant um, material that you will find in any plant. So for example, and, and here is um, just the coolest connection. And, and people have asked me, why did you include medicinal gardening? Well, obviously hemp, cannabis, however you want to refer to it, is a medicinal herb. So that's the natural connection right there. But another connection <laughs> between these is terpenes. For example, you'll find um, linalool, which is a terpene in the cannabis plant. It has a, basically a calming effect. Ooh. You'll also find that in lavender and other herbs. And, and so there's this really interesting synergy between what we accept as herbs. <laughs> we don't accept cannabis as an herb, even though it is. Um, what we accept as herbs and the cannabis world, uh, we found out there's so much compatibility. And in fact, products, you'll find many um, CBD products on the market that will say relax or calming on the package. And if you look at the ingredient label, sure enough, there's probably also lavender or um, lemon verbena or something else that has that particular calming effect too. Ooh. So they go hand so Yeah, yes. The terpene is a, a basic ingredient in yours. If you think about essential oils. Yeah. Um, that's that's where terpenes come into play. It's a significant ingredient in your essential oils. It's what gives things their aroma, uh, their taste, and often their properties. Ah, so yes. So see, it does go hand in hand, your cannabis with your medicinal gardening because uh, of that um, connection there, which is amazing. So speaking of kind of the medicinal garden, um, you go into great detail, different herbs to start growing in our own medicinal gardens. And so what are some of the popular herbs to grow? You've mentioned, you've mentioned lavender, you've mentioned lemon, lemon ver, I'm going to say that wrong, lemon verbena, right? <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, so That's what okay. are what are some other um, popular herbs to start to start growing to, for our own medicinal needs? So again, I'm going to come back to what is your health need because there's every herb that you grow is great for flavoring, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. That's why I grow them. My green thumb, as I mentioned, isn't huge, but in the summer I do have a herb box and I do grow them for food. Yes, exactly right. You're going to put basil on your pizza and your Italian recipes, garlic. Uh, we refer to more as a spice, but it's an herb. Um, you know, so that's going to be in, well, if you're in my house, it's going to be in just about every recipe. But. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of these things, yes, we're naturally growing for their flavors and their enhancement of our overall taste experience. Uh, you can take, you know, any recipe and, and jazz it up with an herb. Okay. When you come to it from a medicinal standpoint, 
you're coming to it from a, I have a problem to solve within my body. There's, there's something going wrong, whether, right? I've got insomnia, I've got inflammation, uh, you know, I've got any, I'm, I'm anxious, I've got skincare issues, I need a headache relief, I'm sick, whatever that is. Or you're coming at it from a, I need support with, I want to build my immune system because there's this thing called COVID going around, right? (laughs) (laughs) I want to build my uh, stamina. I want to have more energy. So we're looking for either a relief or a support when you come to an herb from a distal standpoint. You have to decide what that is. So we'll take, let's, for example, sleep common common (laughs) very very common issue especially when I researched I'm like I don't think there's probably anyone on the planet who can't really relate to the sleepless nights so what do we use and we want something natural because we already know um, things like things like melatonin they're okay but it's bad to take on long term it has negative effects on our body even though it's a natural component within our bodies um, you know, and over-the-counter sleep aids, they're chemicals. We don't want to continue to induce that. And sleep drugs, we know, have addictive properties and are detrimental side effects to our body. So if you're looking for sleep aids, you want to try to find it a natural way. And there are plenty of plants out there that do this. CBD itself is one of the, the CBD component um, of cannabis is helpful, but also THC and many of the other compounds within the cannabis plants aid with sleep and calmness as well. Uh, But in your garden, you can grow things like we mentioned lavender already. That is an excellent calmer sedative. Uh, Lemon balm, excuse me, lemon verbena, mint is a great one. Ashwagandha, which is one of my favorite herbs. And there's been a lot of more talk about that herb lately. Yes, it's for a lot of people, it really induces sleep. So all of these herbs have sort of a sedative property to them. And when used medicinally, uh, they work. And there's a little bit difference between medicinal and um, just putting it on your food. (laughs) So so that's... uh, you'll specifically select them for that property. So you might want to, you know, make a medicinal tea that has ashwagandha and mint in it, which is going to taste amazing and going to be very calming for you to drink at night because hot liquid also calms us and gives us that moment of peace. And we have to take time to sip it and we can kind of do that serenity sort of meditative moment. And all of these things are working in synergy to then help us have a restful night. Mm. Yeah, that's going to sound so great to so many people that have issues with falling asleep or something like that. (laughs) I should look into that myself. I'm completely always jealous of my husband. He's the type that you say one thing to him and then you keep talking and you look over and you're like, oh, you're asleep already. Like Uh, that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm like, geez, man, you don't got anything on your mind? How do you fall asleep that fast? But uh, so ashwagandha, especially now to me, I I don't think I've ever seen that at like maybe my local garden. Do you have to order that to to start planting that or? 
Yes. Yeah. It's it's going to be rare to find. You're not going to find it at Lowe's or Home Depot or um, probably not even your local gardening center that's specifically greenhouse, right? Right. Yeah. I was going to say lavender, mint, you know, those you're all going to find. But Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All the popular ones. Um, so ashwagandha, you will have to mail order, but it's extremely easy to grow. All herbs are. Um, I always get this. You mentioned that you don't necessarily have a green thumb. And I always get that from a lot of people. They're like, um, well, that's great. You have this gardening book and it tells me how to help myself, but I can't grow any of this stuff. Well, there's two ways you can get around that. One, of course, you can visit your farmer's market and your local yeah. grocer and head to the organic sections and pick up some herbs. Yeah. You don't have to grow them. That's <laughs> you can <true>. buy them <laughs> fresh from other sources. Uh, you can order dried herbs too from a bazillion different sources and find them. So that's fresh is best, but dried is your secondary uh, fallback. And you can do a lot with that as well. Or you can grow them and you grow them a lot easier than you think because herbs are basically weeds. Oh, really? The main thing, yes. Yeah, most most herb plants are, are started off as what we would refer to as weeds now. Interesting. But we recognized the properties of them and cultivated them into gardens and gave them a category. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only thing that stands between a weed, between classifying a weed and an herb is us. We make the decision. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. See, everything, beauty, beauty out of the messes, right? <laughs> exactly. So there are a lot of herbs that exist in nature that are, have fantastic medicinal purposes, um, but we don't classify them as that. We call it a weed. Dandelion, for example, in different countries, it's actually considered a um, plant that you would consume. Oh. Yeah, in the U.S., we've demonized it. <laughs> yeah. And we try to eradicate it regularly. Yeah, that is, that is true. Although I will say, what is it, the dandelion greens? Those are those are quite bitter. I've had that in a juice before, and uh, that, that was a hard one to kind of suck down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are. But if you add in small elements, for example, like into a salad or something, it can give you then a different um, taste experience where you have that maybe bitter, but it's balancing against the sweet of the dressing. Mm, yeah, that's great. So you'll find that consumed in many, many different countries, they actually add dandelion greens to salads very often. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But yeah, they're balancing it really well. This particular juice, I didn't do a good job of balancing it. I forget what it was, but I was like, oh man, that's that's a tough one. But uh, I, I kept drinking it because I was like, I'm sure there's some really great, uh, good good nutrition to this. Oh, yes. No, I'm the same way with like arugula. I love it in a salad, but if you make me a smoothie out of that oh. stuff, no. Yes. Way too bitter. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I, I hear ya. So, so on the flip side of, of herbs, spices are another great thing to grow. And kind of, so what's the difference between an herb and a, and a spice? Like what, and are spices hard to grow in, in your garden, your medicinal garden? Yeah, that's an interesting question. What is the difference? I think a lot of the difference is a lot of the spices come from um, roots or um, uh, bulbs. So that's 
that that may define some of it, although some come from trees. So it's <laughs> what what is the difference? I I'm not that advanced in my Scientology or scientific, not Scientology. That's a religion. <laughs> to to tell you the distinct difference, but um, we do categorize them differently. They are uh, tend to be used a little bit differently, but all of them, for the most part are super easy to grow, especially the bulb plants like onions and garlic and the root plants like uh, ginseng are incredibly easy to grow yourself. Um, some of them, of course, you you will likely not be able to ever grow cinnamon, for example. Okay. You know, wouldn't grow in our climate very well and it's so cheap at the store, it's, it's not, uh, not hard to find. Right. Um, but for the most part, everything else, cayenne, pepper, cloves, mustard, turmeric, saffron, all of these things can be grown. Some of them have particularities. And I, I mentioned that in the book, I, I take each one and break it down and uh, do mention if there's specific environment it needs to grow in. Some of them will grow better in sort of a greenhouse environment or indoors versus outside if you live in a colder climate. Okay. Yeah, so you will have to adjust. Yeah, that's great to have that breakdown in the book because whereas something <clears throat> may not grow in maybe my northern climate, but maybe somebody who might be a little warmer climate might grow better. <laughs> yes, exactly. And most of them, for the most part, all herbs and spices, 98%, especially the ones I mentioned in the book, can be grown in containers. So it doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of property to grow any of these things for yourself. You can grow them in your kitchen. You can grow them in a spare bedroom. You can grow them on your balcony. If you have an acre, great. You can really grow some stuff. Yeah, so um, how big is your uh, your spice and herb garden? <laughs> so um, that was actually hard to define. So I have a 15 acre farm and I have things all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so to define actually there's probably an acre of medicinal maybe more maybe more maybe I'm fooling myself there's probably more <laughs> over time right <laughs> yeah because I I cultivate things throughout our woods too I cultivate a lot of natural herbs through the woods um, and I've planted some things to grow there so uh yeah it's it's kind of we've made like a huge edible landscape in fact I just tore out part of my front landscape uh, two days ago and I'm making an edible landscape outside the front of my house now too oh wow do you attract a lot of little critters that are trying to always get into your edible garden <laughs> <laughs> well you have to be mindful of what you grow absolutely and yes I, I do feed nature along with myself <laughs> and I'm okay with that like I'm, I'm happy to give them a share some things I net, obviously, uh, to keep the, the critters out. But when I talk about an edible landscape in terms of herbs, most animals will leave herbs alone. Like they're not real fond of onions or garlic in terms of spices. They're not going to go after lemongrass or lavender. In fact, many of those are repellents. Oh. So lemongrass will repel snakes around your property. Um, you know, lavender and uh, other 
herbs will repel bugs. So <laughs> there's there's a lot to using that also to kind of protect your property. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have so many critters. Now, if I was growing tomatoes out front or <laughs> yeah. outside the garden area, that's a different story. Then I'm going to probably attract some wildlife scavengers. The raccoons in the area would love that. In fact, they've come up to my balcony porch a couple times and picked the cherry tomatoes. Yeah. Yes, I did have a mother rabbit who thought she would be real clever and put her babies in my herb garden box. <laughs> not, about, <laughs> yeah. not about scared the bejesus out of me when I went out there to get some parsley. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so cute though. <laughs> oh my gosh. I guess she just thought, well, this will be a good place to drop him off. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's scared me. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was a chipmunk. And yeah, my husband right. had to come and fish him out and deposit him safely back in our woods near us. Oh, that's cute. My big challenge is to keep my farm cats from laying in my herb boxes. Oh, they're like, this is so nice and comfy. Nice bed. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So you also, in your book, have some great charts, and I, I just loved them so much, Um, especially like your spice blend charts and just about how to store and preserve your herbs for later. So what is your best kind of tips to, to do that after you pick them and you want to preserve them? Do you, do you dry them or? Yeah, so I have a particular order and some of this is personal preference. Some of it is research. Um, obviously, fresh is generally always best. There's a few you can't have fresh, like cinnamon, for example, would not right. be really great you want to dry that and grind it uh you know so there's some that don't do as well fresh is best you know grate your ginger straight into your recipe kind of thing um and so to keep them as fresh as possible because obviously throughout the summer that's easy if you yeah. don't grow inside uh in any climate it's very difficult in the US, for the most part, there are a couple states that are exempt from this, <laughs> where they have these beautiful climates all year round, right? Yes, lucky those climates. <laughs> yeah, there's very few, a handful of states that uh, have that luxury. We do not. So you do have to, I grow inside all year round. I use um, just, you know, container gardens inside and also into aquaponics lately which has been really cool. I've been growing basil and lettuce that way Oh, inside. Yeah, so year round I'm doing that. You can use a greenhouse, of course, but there's going to be sensitive plants like basil that don't grow as well, even during different times of the year. If there's any bit of coldness, they changes, it kills the plant or changes the profile. Uh, you know, so there are some herbs that are sensitive to that that's listed in the book too. I let people know. But for the most part, you can grow fresh year round if you really want to and you really have uh, enough space, but perhaps you cannot grow enough for your needs. Again, there are outside resources you can supplement and buy from. Or, next best thing, if you can, freeze the herb because then you're going to maintain the freshest property of the plant. It's going to maintain all of its oils, all of its water, all of its uh, everything when you freeze it. And most most spices and herbs can be frozen. Some can't. Um, or, or cellaring them. Obviously, if you put it in your cellar or a dark place, you can preserve garlic. 
and onions and things like that year round. But you can freeze ginger root. You can freeze um, a lot of different spices. You can freeze a lot of herbs. Now you can't freeze basil very well because mm-hmm. again, it changes, it darkens, it changes the flavor profile. So there are some that don't translate. So then you have to move to drying or vinegar alcohol preservation. You can also go that route. Oh. Uh, you can also go and make your own butters. You make your own herb butters and freeze them. It's another way to preserve the, the best quality of the plant for your cooking. So there, there are a, a lot of different, it, it really depends on what you're trying to do. Uh, what you're using the plant medicinally for. All of these, of course, translate into cooking too. You, you know, if you're going to preserve with vinegar, you can uh, distill that herb essence and use it in recipes. Uh, yeah, marinades. that'd make a lovely dressing. <laughs> Salad dressings, exactly. All of that. You know, alcohol curing um, is great for medicinal purposes in terms of, you know, adding, you can add a teaspoon to uh, make a tea out of it. Basically, the alcohol burns off in the process. You're going to get very little of it. So, but if you're alcohol sensitive, that's obviously not the route to go. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah the so day... there's there's many methods. And, yeah, my and daughter I and I had a frozen um, mint and just uh, some um, ice cube trays, and that was kind of yeah. a yummy treat for our water. <laughs> That's my favorite, actually, is the freeze mint, and I put it in grapefruit juice. That's oh. like the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> oh. so. yeah, that would be that would be very yummy. Kind of nice, refreshing drink in the morning. Or yeah, or you can melt the you know melt the ice cube and then use that mint to brew your tea. Or in fact, you can even drop the ice cube straight into hot water. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you don't burn your tongue. That would be me. Right. <laughs> oh man. Well, so we've mentioned so many great ways to use herbs, but what about CBD and like recipes? Do do you recommend that? <laughs> I always hesitate on that. Yeah, like, but you did have like a bath bomb I saw in your in your. Um... Oh, I do, and I actually have all of my favorite CBD recipes in there. So I do, um, I do and have used it. I have made uh, my own gummy bears. Of oh. course, is one of the one ways you can use. If you don't like the taste of CBD, it just gives you an alternative way uh, to ingest it. Uh, you can add it to and make like cookies and stuff. Just again, different ways to ingest it. That might be a nice treat at night. Of course, oh. if you're reducing inflammation and you're not headed for sleep, cookies probably not your best option (laughs) maybe go with your bath bomb recipe in that (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so if you're ingesting cbd obviously because we're going to cook with it i'm not a huge fan and the reasons for that even though I, i i have the entire chapter in the book dedicated to it i certainly tell people how to do it give you my best recipes my favorite ways that i've found to incorporate it I just think it's kind of a, a hassle and it doesn't enhance the recipe that you're you're making right. so it's different when you use a herb that has a property that really enhances your recipe like rosemary right mm, it's going to yeah. give a lot of flavor and depth CBD doesn't necessarily do that but if you have problems ingesting it it could be a great way for you to go in terms of adding it to your salad dressing. Uh, would be a really easy way to do it or making little um, 
I tell everybody how to make little chocolates out of it or chocolate bombs, which again is just a nice way to ingest it in a treat form that kind of makes you excited about taking it. So simple recipes of that nature are great. Now, cooking with cannabis is very popular. Cooking with CBD, not as much. And, and it's because cooking with cannabis, people are after a different effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that. There's that, yes. I think, uh, yeah, back in the day, in my young days, I was at some concerts where people were uh, very much doing that. And I'm like, what the... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. If that's your recreational jam, that's great. You know, more power to you. Right. You're not going to overdose. You're not, you know, uh, cannabis in itself is a pretty uh, mild drug in, in terms of, of the effects, the side effects it has on your body. Yeah. However, you know, of course, obviously it can, uh, you know, make you black out, lose your mind and all kinds of other things too. So you have to be careful. Yes. CBD, yes. So Oh, interestingly enough, when people cook with cannabis, CBD actually counteracts THC. Oh. Yeah, so they work in conjunction with each other. They bounce against each other. And so a lot of people who cook with cannabis for the THC effect will use CBD in recipes to kind of tone down the THC effect from ingesting it in that way or to like bring people's highs down. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. And that's where you find most people actually cooking with CBD. I just, I think it's a fun way to experiment with it. It's, it's great uh, to make some simple recipes. If you do have issues with tinctures or pills or that type of form. Um, now, when you talked about bath bombs, I do include some of my favorites. Um, you know, bath recipes, uh, skin recipes, because obviously hemp oil, which is generally paired with CBD, is tremendously beneficial to your skin. Oh. And CBD from a topical standpoint, case studies have been done, really helps people who have arthritis or other inflammatory conditions. So from a surface standpoint, that can be really beneficial. Um, When you talk about CBD bath bombs for like inducing calm in people, what's not understood by the general public is it's not really how it works. Because when you introduce CBD topically, you're you're not going directly to the bloodstream. Just going to the surface layers, you're hitting the muscles and the, the, you know, the areas that need some support for pain relief. Yes. So if that's your objective and agenda, that's going to be great. If you're using it for anxiety, you want to ingest it because that's how it's getting into your bloodstream. Yeah, good. Very good points there. I, I do have a CDB, C, I can't, CBD bomb. And uh, when I rub that on the back of my neck, when I have a headache, man, you know, it's definitely a stopper and having to take ibuprofen or something because it's just helps tremendously as a topical relief <laughs> it does it does it relaxes your muscles it hits a lot of your pressure points it's it's great you know I do too I use the CBD bomb when yeah. I have uh, too much carpal tunnel pain or back pains or whatever um, can be very therapeutic yeah yeah 
Oh man, Barb, we could keep going on and on. This has been so fun. And your book, honestly, is just chock full of so much great information on, you know, not only CBD, but just herbs and spices and how to, how to use them. And so tell us real quick, before we wrap things up, what's your, you mentioned the ashwagandha tea, but do you have any other favorite medicinal teas that you like to brew? So again, you know, it's going to be based on what am I looking for? I right. brew a lot of medicinal teas. Um, my all-time overall favorite period is mint. Like I am just crazy about all, and there are so many types of mint out there that you can grow. Just crazy about all of them. And and they have a nice um, relaxing property as well. Mint has that, but mint is really great if you ever have digestive problems, mm. um, which I have had in the past. And so that's why I became a huge fan of drinking medicinal mint teas because they virtually address every digestive problem you have. So personally, that's my favorite um, blends you know, a lot of them, <laughs> any of the lemon, any of the plants that have lemony flavors and them are citrus. I'll add with citrus peel and, and make kind of a fruity type summer drink. Those are my favorites. I do like uh, ashwagandha has an amazing flavor and adding that with like turmeric kind of oh. spices it up a little bit. And definitely has an incredible anti-inflammatory reaction with your body. Now, do you just put those straight into the water or do you have to put, um, you know, I know a lot of the time you get like the tea strainers and stuff. Do you put the leaves in there or just kind of just plop it all in the, in the water? <laughs> yeah. So there's a number of different ways you can do it for me. Um, if I, if I know, and I do. I, I kind of sort of plan most of the medicinal teas that I make. So in the morning when I get up and feed the pets and make my coffee, I also start brewing a medicinal tea that I'm going to use throughout the day. And I will take, you know, cut them straight fresh off the plant, pop them into boiling hot water and let them sit there for about a half an hour. Because the, the difference between a medicinal tea and a regular tea is, uh, one, you're using medicinal tea specifically for a condition, right? Or a need, something you need to support. Herbal teas that you buy straight off the shelf, they're great, but they're, they're, not, a, they're not a high strength. Mm. So they're not going to give you the same as a medicinal tea. You are brewing it very strong. So like, for example, if you like weak coffee or do you like super strong coffee? Super strong coffee has a different effect. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting more caffeine, you're getting more flavor, you're getting more taste. It's the same with the medicinal tea. You're going to brew a manufacturer's tea for about five minutes average, and it's going to be a more mild, just flavorful drink. A medicinal tea is going to be the very strong version of that particular plant, and you want to steep it for a long time to get as much of the essential oils and properties out of that plant into the water so that you're taking it and ingesting it. Wow. Now you could just eat the plant too, but but that's a lot. Right, yes, it does sound more relaxing to to sip on it. And oh my goodness, but your your kitchen must smell so good when you're brewing all your medicinal teas. It does. It does. So if I brew fresh, I just generally drop it straight into the pot that I'm brewing it in let it sit there and then I'll strain it out through a strainer throughout the day or I mean a lot of pots have built-in strainers 
Right. I'll just let it sit there all day. If I'm using it the same day, that's not problematic. Mm. Well, it could kind of get stronger as the day goes on, as it sits there. It will, yeah. And to me, that's ideal. Right. So. You're definitely getting all the <laughs> benefits then, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it gets stronger, that's just that's just a perk. Oh, fun. Oh, Barb, this is uh, such a fun conversation once again. And where can people buy your book if they're interested in getting a copy of Getting Baked? So you can, any major book retailer across the nation and internationally is carrying it. Uh, I'm through a traditional publisher, so it's also in bookstores if people are still going to them. (laughs) I don't know. I think the doors are still open right now. I I think so. You know, I... You know, you never know. I call before you go yeah, type of thing. <laughs> right, right. Normally I would be doing a book tour, but since uh, COVID, we're, we're doing a lot of stuff uh, over the phone and, and on the internet, which is fun. Yeah. So Amazon, you know, any, any book really, anywhere you can buy a book, you can find the book. Very so, cool. Yeah. And where can people connect with you online as well? Uh, you can visit me at ruralmom.com, which is R-U-R-A-L-M-O-M.com. It's a website I started about 12 years ago to connect with other country moms and also to, you know, as I was becoming an expert gardener and uh, moving into the medicinal world to share a lot of that information too. So you'll find supplemental information on CBD because of course I've wrote a book everything's in the book it's great it's all current but we we keep developing and learning new stuff so I will be putting all that up there you mentioned loving the charts which is awesome I spent a lot of time on that because I love things I love visuals yes (laughs) so when (laughs) I love something I can hand oh that's great I can photocopy that and put that in my purse and I have a, a reference guide I don't have to carry the whole book Some of those will actually be posted on ruralmom.com too, so people can easily print them if they want. Um, Even people who haven't read the book, that's fine. I'm I'm happy to share my resources. And some of them will stay in the book, of course, but I will have several up there printable for folks to use in their daily life. Fun. Well, very cool. We will link all of this where people can buy the book and where they can connect with you online and all your social media handles and all of that. We will definitely link in the show notes so people can go and find out more about you, download the handy lists. Um, I know I'll be printing those off. I love sticking those in the inside of my cabinets and on my fridge, especially like your spice mixes and such. Those will come in so handy. So thank you so much for coming on today. And I loved learning more about getting baked. Great. Thank you for having me. I'm honored and I hope uh, definitely invite your audience to connect and continue the conversation. I'm out there, you know, go to ruralmom.com, find my social media. I'm, I'm out there to answer questions and continue to connect with people who just looking for a, a more natural way to do things. You know, obviously there's, there's no cure here, but we can support our bodies and support the planet in tremendous ways if we just take a little bit of time. Oh. So true. So true. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
I hope you found that interview as educational and inspiring as I did to start your own medicinal garden. It really is easy. She makes it sound so easy just to start growing your own herbs and spices. And there are so many natural benefits to using herbs and spices and even CBD. But as Barb kept mentioning in the podcast, you must first start with why. What relief are you seeking? She has so many tips in her book along with so many great charts and more. And we're going to link all that information and how you can purchase her book in the show notes. As a reminder, you can find all the show notes at our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash 36. Again, that is badtothebull.com forward slash 36. Thanks for listening.